Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Directed IRA podcast. My name is Mark Kohler, yours truly, and the really just the color commentary guy today. I've got my co-host, Matt Sorensen, who's the whiz, the child prodigy of Directed IRAs, the best-selling author around the country on the Directed IRA topic, CEO of Directed IRA, and author of the second edition, SDIRA Handbook, which can be found at sdirahandbook.com. We have a special guest today, Aaron Halderman. Uh, I'm going to introduce him in a moment. So, but we don't know. I'll do it now. Aaron Halderman. We're lucky to have him, Matt. Right? I mean, this guy, big deal. It's a big deal. So, this is going to be good. Aaron is the current senior. He's currently the senior VP at Directed IRA, publisher of the ongoing noteworthy newsletter. I'll have him explain what that newsletter is all about. And he previously was the managing partner of a private investment company that uh, focused on notes and acquired over 2,000 notes around the country, 2,000 assets around the country. So uh, we're going to talk about notes today. Did you figure that out? Matt, how, what would you title the show? Well, today we're talking about private loans and sometimes called hard money lending, which you can do with your IRA, one of the most common assets people buy with a self-directed IRA, is you're just being the bank. You're loaning people money. Um, so Aaron's here in Directed IRA, of course. We work together on a daily basis, and he leads a lot of the teams here, um, but is also a fountain of knowledge when it comes to note investing um, from the conferences he's held. It's actually how Aaron and I met. I spoke yeah. at one of the conferences, Noteworthy Investor Summit. It was like one of the biggest rooms I'd ever spoke at at the time. It was it's a massive conference. At least and people. Yeah. <laughs> there were dozens. Dozens. Uh, no, I think it was like three, four hundred. I think it was in the back of a like, dang. Yeah. yeah, it was a back it was in the back of a Starbucks. Um I think there was four or five people. They one of them didn't even know what they were listening to, but it was a big deal at the time. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that was a joke. You know, right. hey. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Um, but anyway, so Aaron is kind of the expert. I mean, Mark and I have, of course, you know, worked with lots of clients over the years doing private lending. Um, there's a couple of things for your IRA you want to note, of course, so, as well as just the normal things for private loans. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so we, we brought in a heavy hitter, you know, we brought in, you know, the big guns today. Yeah. So welcome. Let's hear your voice. Let's hear this manly voice. That Well, thanks for, thanks for having me on. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> now, as, as, as some of you have already maybe noted, if you're new to this podcast, I'm going to be the color commentary, which means the one that keeps it lighthearted as much as possible today, because these two guys really are the experts when it comes to notes. So um, I'm going to start out with my first recommendation. If you ever decide to loan to family, you're never going to get paid back. So just be careful with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, By the way, goodness. it is prohibited in your IRA. Yeah, many times it's a prohibited transaction. So, you know, when your dumb son-in-law comes and asks you for a loan, you just tell him, hey, you're a disqualified person. I actually can't loan you money with my IRA. Yeah. yeah. So, and disqualified so. might have various meanings, not only for your IRA. Uh, you're disqualified yeah. to participate in my estate, uh, marry my daughter, whatever the case may be. Uh, yeah. So my only note lending experience is giving money to family. So you don't want my mm -hmm. advice here. So I'm just yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Those are called, there's another word for those. Those are called gifts. 
Um, <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. Well, Matt, All you've right. got an agenda for us. What, 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 yeah, what do you want to do? Yeah, Aaron and I kind of worked through a little little agenda here. We think we'll go kind of the flow of how you loan money. Like, hmm. what do I need to know? We'll kind of go through the process of making the note and everything. So let me hit the preliminary point, and I'm going to turn it over to Aaron on the note side. The first thing is, and for many of you who don't know what a self-directed IRA is, Mark mentioned my book, The Self-Directed IRA Handbook in its second edition. I got a whole chapter on notes. Um, but if you're like your IRAs at Fidelity, for example, and you're like, I want to do a private loan with my IRA and you call Fidelity, they're not going to let you do it. Okay. Thank you, Fanna White. That was very, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For those of you watching on YouTube, <laughs> this is also available on YouTube so you can see our three faces. In fact, if you're listening on your phone, you could switch over to the YouTube version, and uh, it might be a little more interactive. I just held up a copy of this book. If you don't have a copy of this book with this little yellow circle up in the corner, you got an outdated book. You're just going to have to buy the new <laughs> second edition. So get over to well, SDRA that, Handbook. That's an add-on. You know, that's just a little, little, yeah. you know, a little marketing add-on there. But, yeah. um, but I just want to say the first step, of course, is you need a self-directed IRA, okay? If your IRA is at Fidelity, they're not going to let you loan money. Like they'll, let, you can go go buy a bond that's kind of a loan, but you're not going to be able to loan it to your other friend, real estate investor that wants money to rehab a property. Um, so, so you're going to need to get to a self-directed IRA, such as directed IRA. There's other companies out there, but you only need to know one. Direct, directed IRA is the best. And so you get your money over to a self-directed IRA. Okay, Aaron, let's say I've got a self-directed IRA now. It doesn't matter the account type. Now, and, hold up. Hold up. Yep. Before you pose this question, I want everybody out there to know this could be your HSA, health savings account, your simple, your SEP, your 401k, your Roth, your Roth 401k, your Coverdell, which is an educational IRA for yourself or your kids. So when we say IRA, I just want, if that's okay, Matt, I want to tell everybody yeah. that we're talking about a SIDERP, a self-directed retirement plan in any of those forms. And you can roll or money from those accounts to directed IRA or open one of those types of accounts at directed IRA. That's step one. So I just want to clarify that for all the newbies out there. All right. Yeah. Okay. Now pose Man, this You're really trying question. to use that SIDERP term, huh? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't I just, know. That, that, that little word sounds like something you get, like, you know... And, you know, some third world country after you ate third. something wrong, you shouldn't have. I don't know. I just yeah, we got medication for that. Okay. All right. You're, you're like, as soon as you say it, you're like, Sidurp? oh, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> I just sidurped. Um <laughs> All right. Okay. Aaron, I've got myself a account. Like when people say, uh, I want to do a hard money loan. Um, or I want to be a hard money lender or do private lending. Like, what are they talking about? Yeah. So typically, um, you know, th those, those terms are really, really the same thing interchange, you know, sometimes like you, you, you have a licensed professional, like a, a licensed broker that is helping in the transaction that you're actually working with um, uh, that hard money lender to find you a deal. And they're kind of going to put the transaction and paperwork together. Um, or you as an individual, like with your IRA, you're the, you're the one actually doing the private lending with your self-directed IRA, but there's some paperwork that's involved and your IRA can do that. Your IRA can absolutely be the lender um, and, and hold um, 
you know, hold that asset in, in the IRA. But there's uh, what's called a promissory note. And now, and now hold it, Aaron, before you go any further, I just want to, as you start to define terms, the first thing that I thought you brought up that's interesting for people is if I'm going to lend with my IRA, I can employ an agent or a broker, someone that knows where I could place my money. I may have you talk about a little bit more about how to use them. But you also said you could do it yourself. Is that prohibited? Can I well, put the deal together myself? Well, you can go find the deal, like source the deal, right? Okay. But your IRA is going to be, so you as the IRA account owner, you're sourcing the deal, want to find a company or find a note to invest in. You absolutely can do that. But your IRA is going to be the one that's actually doing the transaction. Right, right. I just, it's not prohibited to kind of find it, manage Correct. it, collect the money, or at least manage the process. That's not, I can do that. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll, and we'll hit on the management and collection side of it, especially if there's any default that goes into that. So we will touch on, we'll touch on that here in a minute. So, so when you, when you come down to that though, it's important that you identify some of these terms, like what exactly, what exactly is a note? Uh, oftentimes it's referred to as a promissory note. And basically what that is, it's a promise to pay. Um, and and it's a, it is an actual agreement uh, that, that you have. Now, there's no security in that, okay? Um, unless there's some uh, paperwork that accompanies that, um, which would be a deed of trust or a mortgage. Now, it depends on the state where you reside. Some states are deed of trust states. Some states are mortgage states. And just to make it confusing, um, some states do both. Okay. And that mortgage or deed of trust is the actual security instrument. Okay. That is tied to that note that protects your interest. Okay. That gives it the validity that you have a secured asset. Okay. Well, I got so a question. That, let me say it another way too. So the, the deed of trust or mortgage is the lien on the property. The yes. promissory note is the agreement to repay. Now, when I loan money, right, I'm, I'm playing the bank. So I'm getting interest back and I'm getting points probably. And mm -hmm. all that income goes to your IRA. You don't pay UBIT tax or any other tax you got to worry about sometimes with an IRA. It's all clean. This is one of the reasons it's one of the more common assets and things people invest into. But this could be as simple, and this is one of the most common ones. You're brand new to self-directed investing. You start going to some real estate clubs or groups, and you kind of walk around like, hey, I have an IRA with 250 grand on it. I want to loan it on anybody's deals. Anybody? Okay, some guy raised, I, I need 100 grand for a rehab on a property I'm flipping over here. Great, I'll loan it to you for six months, 10 point, 10% interest, two points, or you know whatever terms you can get in your you know, you know, it's a little competitive. You got to be competitive on rates because there's other people doing this, but that's, is, is that's very, very common. And eventually like I have clients with self-directed accounts, just doing this, loaning money out of their IRA or other retirement account, getting interest in points at like 10% and two points. And I literally have clients with millions and tens of millions of dollars. This is all they've done. This is it. Because if you get yep. that time, time and time again, it's a, it can be a great way to grow an account. Now, if I could, Matt, ask this too, over at Directed IRA, you see all sorts of notes. I would point out that I think, and we should come to this maybe later, there are notes where you may loan money to a new startup business. Uh, mm -hmm. I was watching Shark Tank the other night, 
And Mark Cuban said, I don't want any equity in your business. I'll just loan you the money, but here's what I want. And so you could create a loan to a business, right? Um, also, I've had some clients in Hollywood. Yeah. I've had some clients in the LA Hollywood market that have loaned money to productions to buy lighting, equipment, and cameras. And they take a lien against the equipment, which is called a UCC3. And that's another type of loan. So when we're talking about this already, I think we're going to focus on real estate first. But keep in mind, this could be any type of loan. Now, you don't want to be an idiot out there and do what's called a signature loan or an unsecured loan. We'll come to maybe some cautionary issues. But but is that okay to Matt and Aaron to say that there's yeah. there's different types of loans? You know, it's not just absolutely. real estate. Yeah, absolutely. And you can be loaning. One of the other common ones we see is people will loan money to a company, a startup that can convert into stock. So rather than getting repaid, you the the lender can say, no, I don't want to get, I don't want you to pay me back the money. I want to convert it to stock at a pre-agreed price at the beginning. And so that's a very, very common in the venture capital world. That is one of the most common ways companies get funded now is what's called a convertible note, um, where they can convert the debt into stock if the company takes off. Now, Aaron, can I ask you a question? Okay. Yep. You said you've got the promissory note that sets forth the terms. Mm-hmm. And you're going to want security. We're going to talk about real estate first, of course. So that means this lien against the real estate, which might be a trustee. But tell people the difference between points and interest in the terms. This was something that was really fascinating to me when I learned this from clients and you, is that the difference in why you have points and interest. Yeah, so so basically, it's kind of like the cherry on top of the ice cream is the, the points. You know, that that, that that sweetens the deal. Anybody can find like an interest rate. It's no different than the interest rate you have in a car loan or uh, on your existing home mortgage. Right. It, let's say it's well, right now it's at an all time low, but let's say it's three percent. OK, is what you have on your mortgage loan. And you're going to pay that over a period of 30 years, 300, 360 months. OK, that's a and, and when you refer to notes. When you get when you make that investment, what you're getting back is your principal and your interest rate that's agreed upon in according to the terms in the promissory note. Okay, so let's say you lent out hundred thousand dollars at three percent interest. You're going and and let's say you did it over ten months or, or excuse me, um, uh, twelve months. You're going to get that one hundred thousand dollars plus that three percent over the next 12 month period. And it's all gonna come back to you. Okay, now you're sitting back in cash with your $100,000 plus that 3%, so three grand. So now it's $103,000 that you got back at the end of 12 months. Now that doesn't sound very amazing at all, considering how I can go into like an index fund or something and get like five, five, 6% and just completely do nothing. Here's where it gets interesting. You can go and charge what are called points Okay, which would be a specific uh, dollar amount percentage based on the principal investment you made. So let's say you charge two to three points on the one hundred thousand dollar loan that you're issuing out and you could get that right up front. Typically is where you see that. And let's say it was three points. So you're getting three grand that comes back right away into your IRA. Plus, you're getting those principal and interest payments each month over the next 12 months. And so that's where you get the points and the rate 
uh, together. And that's very that's a very standard type of deal and what's why people love to do notes because they get those those points, which is that cherry on on the top, in addition to to the rate uh, that they got. One one important thing that that I wanted to to make sure that we get on uh, discusses some of the documents that protect um, and secure your investment is you typically have a lender's title insurance policy and the IRA could be listed as a mortgagee for hazard insurance. So in addition to uh, the note and the deed of trust or mortgage uh, that you get, you also have that lender's title insurance policy and listed as a mortgagee on the hazard insurance. Here's why that hazard insurance is, uh, is, is key. What if the property burns down? How would you get paid? Yeah. How would you get paid? What if the property was blighted the very next day you made the loan? It's that, that, that hazard insurance policy is the only thing that's like protecting you at that point. If some of you don't know what blighted means, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm tan. Those two guys are blighted. That would be kind of an example of that. And even though they live in Arizona, I don't know why they're blighted. I think they work too much indoors, but they run from air conditioner to air conditioner. Yeah, I get outdoors. Now, now hold up. Before we go through all these documents, Aaron, I want to confirm something on interest. Are Matt, these clients you talked about, are they really charging 3%? Is that all they're getting in their notes? Is that common, that rate? No. No, no, the, the typical okay. private money loan is going to be eight to twelve percent. You're going to usually okay. be somewhere in there. Um, it depends on your market and the competitiveness of it. You know, you'll see private money lenders. You know, I see signs out. You know, like little yellow signs stuff on street corners. You know, private money loans eight percent. You know, yeah. But, uh, but why do these people, Matt? Why do these people want to come to you and pay eight, ten, or twelve percent when they could go to the bank and get three? Because the bank's not going to loan them money to close on a house next week. Or these are real estate investors. They're not buying a house to live in. So when you go to a bank to buy an investment property, the banks are so dumb, they won't look at the value of the property and loan on it typically. They're like, mm. what's your debt credit to income? And if a real estate investor that makes a hundred, a couple hundred grand a year, they might have 10 properties going at any given time. They're not going to get a regular loan. So they have to use the private lenders. And the private lenders are going to be like, all right, what's the property appraised for? Is there enough equity in it? You know, what's your background? Do you know what you're doing? Is there someone rehabbing a property? And do I know the market? You know, you want to be educated, of course, in your market and do your due diligence. And Aaron can touch on some of those things. But that's why you get those rates um, mm -hmm. is just because the banks don't play in that market unless it's like really, really big properties. So I'll even oversimplify it even further. Banks look at you as an individual. Whereas these other hard money lenders that are going to issue points and rates look at you as a business owner and what your business's track record is. So what they look for is you, they'll they'll tell you it will provide me like the last couple of years of settlement statements, okay? And what those settlement statements are shows like the deals that you've actually uh, completed um, yeah. from inception to resale, and that's how they verify it. And they'll find they can. You issue those statements that you got from, from escrow and title, the hard money lenders look at that and they already have their funds set up that they can fund those deals like same week. A bank so that's a, never good tip. that's a good tip for anybody getting new to private money lending is how do I do due diligence on a note? Well, you get an appraisal of the property or a BPO, 
right? You can look at the background of the person you're lending to. You can even run a credit check and Aaron can give some resources on some of these things. But look at their background. Have they flipped properties before? If it's a if you're lending to a flipper, and you could lend to other people, it doesn't on real estate in particular, it doesn't have to be someone flipping, but that's really common. And looking at their settlement statements on the last three deals they did. What the buy one and the sell one, you can see what they buy it for, what they sell it for. And did the hard money lender that loaned on it last time get paid? Yeah. I, I Let's talk about due diligence for a minute. If is that okay, Aaron? And we'll come back yeah. to the, some of these technical documents that everybody should have in their package and things. I, I liked Matt's example at the beginning of, if you want to start lending your IRA, if you're not going to use a broker, you got to immerse yourself in the real estate industry in the area you're familiar with. And it's typically going to be your local area. So let's say you're in Denver, Colorado. And so you want to join some real estate clubs, maybe start um, getting involved with some brokers or some builders and just say, hey, if anybody's up the crick, I got money to lend and I can move quick. People want that phone number in their back pocket just in case. But here's something important. Do not, do not be lazy on the due diligence. I'll share one of my personal tragedies being a lender 20 years ago, and I learned a hard lesson. And it's just so important that you do that term called due diligence. So Aaron, when you would go through that process, give us what you'd say the top five due diligences are, three or what are are the things you would normally do? So so I'll start with like the top three that when I first started out in the industry that one of my mentors talked to me about, the, the, the three biggies are tax, title, and the blighted property, not the color of our skin. <laughs> um, so, so, so specifically, let's break each down. Taxes, are there any outstanding taxes due on that particular property? Okay, you can just, re, you can just go to the county assessor's and public recorder's office to get, get that information. It's all public record, okay? So you go to the county um, site, uh, where that property resides in and you go pull the tax records. The next can you thing pull that is, from a title company, can you, is it called a PR or a preliminary title report from a title company okay, to pay a hundred bucks or so and just say, Hey, pull that, pull that title for me. And let me, yeah, so, so, so title title can, can do that for you, but you can also do the, the search for free for the taxes specifically. Um, but yeah, you can pay for a, for a title report uh, or, what I like to do is develop a relationship with somebody at your local real estate club. There's plenty of title people. They'll just do it for free because they want your business to help them close the transaction with you. So you get so a lot. Like if you got American First or Chicago Title, they're all they're, most of them have representatives that go to the local real estate clubs. Develop a relationship with one. Send them. They'll turn it around same day to you. Um, now. It's a little different if you're assessing large portfolios of loans, but we're dialed in on just one these twosies at a time, okay? Because that, yeah. that's a this, that's different. You're actually doing the business if you're doing multiple. And then the next thing is, in, in, with the title report, you're looking for all the various liens uh, that that might be there. Are there any mechanics liens? Are is there a secondary lien? Is there a third lien? Is you know. Um, um, uh, is there any UCC filing against that? Did, did a solar company file a lien? Is there an HOA lien, a super lien? You know, so you're looking for all those types of liens on the title. And then and then you're looking at the condition of the property um, to make sure it's not completely blighted. 
unless you already know that because you're lending for to a flipper that's going to just rehab it and resell it. Okay. But if, but if you're looking for somebody to come in and occupy that day one as is, you need to make sure it's not blighted. So those, those are the big three. Um, I, I thought you were going to bring up, and I'm sure it's on your list, is that appraisal, that BPO. Because because most lenders, and correct me if I'm wrong, if someone says, I need 100 grand, you're like, mm-hmm. okay, you pull the title, you find out there's no liens against it, or maybe something small that you're like, okay, I can deal with that. And then you go, all right, you need 100 grand, and you go drive by. You're verifying. Mm-hmm. I love the word verify. Whatever do you do, you verify. So no one's swindling you. And you drive by and blighted, of course, means it, the lawn is burned. It's the windows are broken there. You know, no one could really live there without a lot of work. Now, if the person sure. asking for money says, well, I'm going to rehab it. I need your hundred grand to rehab it. You're like, OK, what's the appraisal now and what will it be worth when they're done? But I don't yeah. really care about when it's done. I care about what it's worth now. Is that right? And what's the ratio? I don't even know what ratio you would look at. Right? Yeah, so I'll I'll break it down real simple for those that are listening and watching. So th- there's a couple different scenarios, but let's talk about best practices because there's not like there's not a one size fits all. But the first step would be you can do it yourself easily just looking at Redfin or Zillow. Okay, they're pulling from you know um, uh, uh, public record information to get those values, and also they're a massive index of of properties that have been resold, not just through their own listing service, but that's what all, you know, brokers and agents are using as well. So, so that, that's step one. Step two, before you're actually going to give the money, lend the money would be, you, you probably want to pay for a professional to go do that. I like a a resource called BPO photo flow. Um, They're nationwide. It's really cheap. They'll go by, take the pictures, give the condition, of it and and they'll you know do it for less than a hundred bucks to get at least wow. the the condition of it now again let let me go back to developing relationships because this is a relationship business because you're a lender and you want to know the the people that you're doing business with and lending the money to develop a relationship with the local broker or agent in town and they can help get you you know an appraisal done and pull some do a comparative market analysis a CMA report compared to market analysis and go through the most recent sales that are specific in that neighborhood um, to, to where you're looking to, to lend money um, to. And th- th- those are the key steps. Now, if um, dependent upon the, you might need a, a, a the, the, you might require a licensed professional um, to, to do an, an appraisal and have like a complete walkthrough. That's totally up to you, but not necessary as a private private lender individual. But but you can you can do that. So those are some like best practices that you want to know what you're you're dealing with. What you talked about, Mark, was you know two scenarios. What's the value of the property right now, and what could it be if it's fixed and resold? What it could be if it's fixed and resold is you're looking now for properties that are in you know pristine condition that have recently been resold. And that's what you're recognizing as an ARV or after repair value, which is mm. different than what the current condition of the property might be. And so those are those are two completely different values. And typically what we what we see, um, you know, from from deals that cross our desk here at Directed 
you know, we, we're not look, we're not, con, we're not concerned on our end, you know, any type of uh, loan to value ratio. Um, we're just looking at the paperwork, but from the investor side, you typically aren't lending any more than, you know, anywhere from 60 to 80% um, of the loan to value. And, and the reason I give such a big spread is it, it just depends on what you're comfortable with, you know, what, what their track record is and what that market is and, and, and can, you know, tolerate. So that's typically you want anywhere from like a 20 to 40% coverage area to help protect your investment. So that's a lot of information. Um, there's other things to look for on the due diligence, like, you know, bankruptcy, uh, you can do skip tracing. There's lots of resources for that, but we're trying to keep it real simple here as far as like the tax and title and the value of the property. Those are the biggies. Okay. And of course, many private lenders are funding rehab too. So you might be a private money lender funding the purchase. You might also be one funding the rehab expense. Now that's more risky. Okay. You want to know that rehabbers track record. You have a lot of confidence in them because you don't have a lot of equity. You might still get a lean on it, but we see many people coming in funding the rehab. There's already another private money lender, hard money lender in first. Now you're coming in in second. You better be charging more points and more interest. So when you're funding the rehab, there's generally a higher interest rate and points I think you can get, right? Um, and you could be funding the purchase and the rehab all in one. Uh, but just know there's more risk, of course, when you're funding the rehab. The same that a bank is going to do when you go and ask for a construction loan, right? They're going to loan that on a little higher rate than they would buying a house that's already done. Now, tell me if my analysis here would be uh, too conservative or, or incorrect. So let's say we're back to that $100,000 loan. And this guy comes along, gal comes along and says, I need a hundred grand. I'm going to fix it up. And I've already bought it, but um, I need a little bit more to just get it over the hump. My concern would be, okay, what's the ARV? You said current, the current value. If this place is only worth a hundred grand right now, and they want a hundred grand from me to fix it up. I think there's more risk involved too, because I've seen clients over the years, they pay a contractor to go fix it up. And three months later, they stopped by to look at the progress and they were scammed. Nothing happened. Now they go to sell the place and they can't get their hundred grand out of it because the margin was too thin. So with that in mind, I mean, really, I don't, again, is it appropriate to say, I don't care what the future value is going to be unless I'm writing them like on top of it. I probably want to worry more if I had to sell tomorrow, what am I going to get out of this place? Is that a fair assumption? Well, well, yes, it depends. Yes and no. Yes. It depends. Like what, like that, that's why we talked about lending, you know, making sure there's like 20 to 40% of coverage in there. So if it's a hundred thousand dollars is all it's worth, I'm only lending like 60, 70 grand. Okay. That's what you're, okay. that's what you're going to get out of me. So gotcha. I, I'm protected and it's a safe and secure investment. If you're saying, okay, you know, I, I need additional money for the rehab and to resell it because I feel this property is worth 150. It's going to take me another, you know, 30, 40 grand to rehab it, which now I may loan, like Matt was saying, I may loan on the purchase plus loan on the rehab. So the, let's say that I loan on the purchase for 60K. 
It needed 40K in rehab. So now I'm up to 100K, but the after repair value on a resell is 150. I'm golden, you know? So where I'm not, where I'm, and, 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 and let's say they didn't do any work. Let's say they didn't do any work and the, they, they took my money and ran, you know, I'm going to foreclose, you know, I got to hire an attorney. I got to foreclose on the property. Now I'm going to take the property and now I got to fix it or, you know, resell it as is. I'm protected because I have a, a good enough loan to value coverage ratio. Okay. And that well, that's yeah. why that's important. Matt hit okay. on something good talking about a senior lien. If I, if somebody else, let's say bought the property um, or lent on the property to, to um, do the rehab. And then I'm coming in to provide the rehab money, which is a very common thing to do. I yeah, want to make so someone, someone loaned at first to buy, to do the acquisition or loan to purchase. Mm-hmm. And now you're coming in for the rehab. I want to make sure if I'm the rehab money uh, as the, as the lender with that, that I know who that senior lien is. I want to know how much the senior lien is what that current uh, unpaid balance is, what's owed and who, who they are. And so those, that, that'll be a key due diligence thing that I'm looking at is how much is owed on that senior lien and what's the status of it? Is it yeah. paid? Is it paid? Yeah. Is it being paid? Okay. Now you can have other terms in your notes. So, and we're sticking to a lot of real estate terms here, but our deals is the common example, but like you could have profit sharing too. So you could loan money and say, all right, I want points. I want interest, you know, and I want a share of the profits when you sell. And so you have this kind of equity kicker or whatever you want to call it clause in the note. That's essentially a form of additional interest. This can be a little bit of profit sharing too, but your IRA can do that. You can certainly have that in a note. And we see clients that do that, especially when they're funding the rehab. They're like, man, I'm taking a little more risk here. You got to sweeten yeah. the deal for me. I'm just not playing banker now. I'm kind of partnering with you because there's not a lot of equity left here as I'm funding the rehab too. So that can get you a little more money on the table. Um, and the deal is you can get an equity stake in the note or sometimes it's called the equity kicker clause. Now, if I, I'm going to ask this, Matt, because we, you and I have debated this before. When I start getting a piece of equity in the promissory note, I love the word you used. You're kind of a partner. I, <laughs> my feeling is that if this, there's a, uh, uh, someone gets hurt, there's a problem, there's a lawsuit, a lawyer worth their salt is going to sue everybody involved as, if they have a piece of the equity in a note or not. And so I think if you're going to start playing with those types of notes where you're getting a piece of the action or profit on the back end, I think you need to consider using an LLC for your notes and your IRA, yeah. because you don't want a litigator to get past that particular deal. You might have a million dollars in your IRA and you're doing three or four notes. Once you start participating in a note, the entire IRA is, sus- is suspect or potentially liable for one deal gone bad. So I think you need to isolate your exposure and really understand yeah. you're a partner. Would you agree with that, Matt? Yeah, yeah. When you're just lending, your risk is pretty low. So we a lot of clients would just private lend out of their IRA directly. It's pretty easy. You get the note, the deed of trust or mortgage done. You get it going through title. You get the lender's insurance, like Aaron mentioned. You get listed on the mortgage insurance. You've, you've done the due diligence on the deal. You're good. You're getting your interest in points back. If they don't pay, you know, we're going to talk about that. You foreclose and the IRA's got to pay for that. 
But once you start trying a little more creative past just being banker, it's possible. And I like, I want to start participating in the profits here or do a little more. Um, the LLC is, is very valuable because it does give that layer of asset protection. Um, can I now, so, yeah. can I share my crappy experience? So this is a good interlude for a little color commentary okay. on, an ex, on an example. And I think this opens the door of how to work with brokers too. So Aaron, I think that that's, I think the comment we're going to want from you on this, if you want to think from that perspective, because I was stupid. So anyway, this is over 20 years ago. I was literally a brand new lawyer. I was new to note lending. I was excited. Um, I had some family money. So my brother and dad were in on this and we had a financial advisor that said, Ooh, Ooh, this rehabber out in Chicago is doing a project and he needs some more money for the rehab. And we said, okay, that sounds great. And we assumed that our financial advisor knew what the heck they were doing. And they had done the due diligence for us and they were advising us on this project. And he said, let me get, introduce you. Let's get this rolling, da, 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 da. And, and I said, okay, and what position are we in? And he goes, you're in second position. And this place is gonna be worth $2 million. It's in this great neighborhood. The first position is only a million. Um, they only need 300 grand. It was like two or 300 grand. And that was a big deal. But my brother and dad and I were like, okay, okay. And so we put the money together and did the paperwork. We got a promissory note and a trustee. So we thought we did it all right. Well, yeah. come to find out. Mortgage in Illinois, yeah. Yeah, the six months note was due. We got our points, we got our um, upfront, but at six months, we needed our interest and our principal back. No one would return my call. I'm like, hmm. So I wait a few weeks, I call my advisor. I'm like, dude, what's going on? Where's this guy? Where are we at? He goes, I don't know. I thought he sent you the money. And I'm like, okay. So the story begins, right? Long story short, come to find out when I actually got involved and did the due diligence I should have the first time, I pulled title. We were in fourth position <laughs> and the current fair market value of this place was nowhere near 2 million. It would be worth that when they were all done, but the contractor did a crappy job, didn't use our money for this project, used it on another project. Long story short, we never got our money back. It was really, really tragic. It was really sad. It was an important learning lesson for everybody involved. Could we have sued our financial advisor? Maybe. I We licked our wounds, chalked it up to, to learning experience, and it was a write-off. But Aaron, tell me what you would have done differently, maybe, and just some thoughts on that experience I had. Yeah, so um, the here the, pretty much this title report. Title report would have shown me all the liens. Mm -hmm. I, I would know. Like before you fund a deal where other lenders or people are involved, just get a title report and look at any outstanding and look at taxes. Like do those two things. If, if you don't do anything else, if you don't do anything else, just do those two things. That'll solve yeah. that'll solve 99% of anything else that might be worrying you about potentially wanting to fund that deal. Would and you agree, I would Matt? Say, I would say, and then fund the loan through title or escrow that's mm -hmm. going to record 
the mortgage or deed of trust and get it on title that, you know, you could pull title and you don't fund it until two weeks later. And who even recorded the mortgage or deed of trust? Did it get recorded? You know? And so you want to go through title. Now I know a lot of real estate investors are like, oh, I got to pay closing fees and buy title insurance policy. Yeah. Who cares? It's a cost <laughs> yeah. of it. And the borrower should pay for it. You charge it to yes. the borrower. Like the yeah. bank does when you go get a loan from them. You have to pay all those costs. They don't, they don't pay them. It's not coming out they're of your money. They're passed through yeah. fees. The borrower should pay for it. Here's the other thing. I, I don't, there's nothing wrong with being in a second or third position as long as you know the overall landscape of how you're protected and covered and what's recorded and that loan to value coverage ratio, it's okay. And, and, and even if you're in second position, you don't get wiped out unless you want to get wiped out. Like the only thing that's wiping you out is a bankruptcy. Now, if you are in a, in, in a second position and do take that, you better make sure that you have enough funds to potentially step in and take care of that first mortgage or first lien that's ahead of you to protect your uh, secondary lien. Okay. If you are going to go that route, that's a, but that's a different risk category. And we, we don't need to go yeah. into that now, but those are things that you need to look at. So, okay, let's, well, let me ask. So using a broker, okay. I assumed that my agent knew what he was doing. Is there something I should look for if I'm going to use a broker out there to help me? No, that's no. like saying I, that's like saying I think my accountants figured out every deduction. You know, like you it's need to, that's like I think it's the investors. And this is one thing, even with if you're using an IRA custodian, no one's doing this for you. And, and like you can hire these people, but you got to verify that it's getting done. I like that very. And at the end of the day, you're the responsible person, and you're the one whose account's going to get paid back or not. And yeah. so like it directed, we're not looking at your deals for, you know, like I'm just, we're just going to process the paperwork you authorize us to. Yeah. Um, and so seek out the professionals, of course, as needed, especially when you're new to something. Like if you've never done a private money loan, like get the professionals, get educated, verify what that, what your thinking is occurring is occurring. Um, and don't skip steps. You know, don't skip using the lawyer and do a document you get off online. Don't skip the escrow or title company because you don't want to pay the title insurance fee. You know, don't skip an appraisal or a BPO because you don't want to pay that fee. And again, push all these damn costs on the borrower. Yeah, it's, it's I, a cost like to make the loan. Yeah, and I like how you said verify because whoever's helping you or helping you find this deal, if there's someone like that involved, my word for that was a broker. But no matter what. It's just like having a property manager on your property. You got to make sure they're really doing what they say they're doing. A contractor remodeling your kitchen, you got to stop in and look at it. You got to. So this is some, I hate the word turnkey because people go, oh, you just give them the money, you turn the key and you're done. No, notes are not that way either. You got to verify what people are doing. And I learned that hard lesson in a big way that 20 years ago. And so thanks for letting me bring that up because I think it's just a classic. Mark, let me close the loop on that because it, it's it's important that you know everyone understands the the me mechanics of it. Brokers are great to, for deal flow to like find deals for you, but like Matt said, the onus is on you mm. to do your own due diligence. So brokers are great, like let them bring you deals, let them. But you got to evaluate the deals. You can't just rely on them and say, "Oh, I got a great deal for you." But like, is it great? You know, and I'm just taking your word for it. I don't know. Do do your own due diligence. 
you hit on something else about, um, you know, property management. And Matt, you want to go into kind of collecting, servicing flow? Of yeah, let's, let's one last topic, then let's get to that. We will kind of jump through some other important topics here quick, guys. But um, let's talk about Dodd-Frank. Right? Okay. This is the big Who's law he? from the financial crisis that came out. Is he and- from Tucson? Dodd Frank. Dodd Frank. Did we have lunch with him last week? Yeah, good old Dodd. Good old Frank and Dodd. Okay, all right. Cute old couple. Two senators. Two senators. Oh, oh, okay. You're talking about a law, Dodd Frank. Okay. Yeah, this is good. Okay, yeah, yeah. So this law has been around for 10, 12 years now. Okay. So. What do I need to know about this if I'm a private lender? What how, do I need to comply with it? Is this just for banks? What should I know? Yeah, so so let me just give the, a brief background history, and I I pulled a few things I'll just read off here. So Dodd Frank was signed into law in 2010 under uh, President Obama. Um, the primary reason Congress passed it was to monitor and regulate the financial markets so we don't have another you know real estate mortgage crisis or crash, and it's specifically what came after signing into Dodd-Frank was this, the Consumer Protection, uh, Financial Protection Bureau, the CFPB, yeah. okay? And what that was is to protect consumers and have an oversight and investigative body that would protect consumers against predatory or fraudulent lending practices, okay? okay. And so that's the whole cru- crux of Dodd-Frank. is really targeted towards the bigger banks, but then it also affects us as smaller private lenders at, at the same time because of some of the um, the requirements in there. Here's the here's the good news though. If you're doing one, there, there's there's two exemptions. One is a one property exemption, and the second is a three property exemption. And what that means is if you've done three or less deals in a 12 month period, you're not subject to 99% of all the, 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 the Dodd-Frank um, uh, now, restrictions and liabilities. Now, when That's you say all- this, you're, you're talking about lending to a consumer, yes. okay? A homeowner, not an investor. Yeah. We got to come back to that. That's probably the bigger exemption, I think. But it this, is. the first exemption you're saying is you could be lending to Bob Homebuyer, who's buying yes. a house to live in, and you're given a private loan. I can do that up to three times. And most of Dodd-Frank can often comply with. There's a couple things I got to. Yeah. Uh, but, I, you know, when we go buy a house, you know, you write, you have a set of mortgage documents. It's like, you know, six inches high. Six pa- six or seven pages of that is the note deed of trust that really matters. The rest is all disclosures. Yes. So that, that's the Dodd-Frank stuff. You know, this is all the truth in lending and RESPA and all that. Now, can, so, and Matt, can yeah. I ask on this? So yeah. if it's if if these are private one-off loans for people that are going to actually live in the home, and some we have clients that do that. They want to be first trust deeds. They want a thirty-year or fifteen-year note. They're easy schmeasy. They like that. So that's a that there are people that want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you say you can what do a common. That's common. But um, if you do three in a year, if you do less than three in a year, you're okay. Three or less. Is that now? Let's stop there. IRA? Actually. Is that yeah. per IIRA? Oh. That's what I was going to ask. Is that per IIRA? Is that what you were going to say? I, yeah, th- I, 
I think that falls down to per individual that owns an IRA, right? Yeah, IRA account owner. IRA account owner. It's going to flow. The, you're, you know, you're 100% beneficiary of the IRA. That, that rule is going to apply to you on okay. an individual basis. Okay. Even if you went out and set up hundreds of LLCs and stuff, the, you know, Dodd-Frank's not dumb enough. They're like, yeah, we're going to – that's all you. Okay. <laughs> so okay. – but let's – Let's hit this before we go to the investment, because I think that's what more people are using the investment exemption um, to get out of Dodd Frank. But let's say I am loaning to, to, you know, Bob Homebuyer buying a house he's going to live in. Um, it's not an investment property for him; it's his home. What are the things I need to, that I can't have in my loan, or that I need to comply with for Dodd Frank? Yeah. Okay, so here they are. You have to verify that that homeowner. Um, that's borrowing the money has what's called the ability to repay ATR ability to repay. Well, Let me read. <laughs> you might want to know that anyways, right? <laughs> and, and that's exactly why the, the Dodd-Frank reform came out is because the lenders were not verifying the borrower's ability to repay. And what they, what they do is they ha- they're looking at their current income and assets. They're looking at their employment status um, any m- monthly payments associated, you know, with ownership on the property, they're looking at their credit history, their debt to income ratio, and all those things have to be verified using reliable third party resources and records. Okay. So first and foremost is the ability to repay. The second item is there cannot be a negative amortization schedule. Okay. And what that amortization schedule means is the entire term over which the loan is being paid on, typically 10, 15, 20, 30-year loans, right? It can't go, it can't be a negative amortization loan like those subprime mortgages and all that that we read about. It can't be anything like that. There can be no balloon payment is a third criteria. And the financing has to be uh, a fixed rate or a rate that's adjustable after five or more years only. And if it's a variable rate, it has to be tied to a, to an index, okay? And th- th- those are the main things. Now, if you go over three, all those things still apply, but add in, you have to have the file underwritten by a, a licensed professional mortgage loan originator. And you're gonna pay them three, 500 bucks to, to do that. And they're going to be the ones that looks at the ability to repay and the entire loan doc and you can go over three properties. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Again, that applies to Bob, the home buyer and me yeah. lending to Bob. Now, the good news is most people lending with their IRA in particular are loaning to other investors. Yeah. They're loaning to XYZ Inc. or ABC LLC or, you know, Ivan, the investor, you know, that's flipping a property, right? Or, or Reba, the rental property owner, you know? <laughs> well, I thought... <laughs> I thought you missed one because one of the key provisions in Dodd-Frank was that you cannot have a guy on payroll named Guido to go collect with a baseball bat if there's a problem. You can't do that. That technically wasn't in there. That was actually not in there. Oh, we can still have that then. Okay. Yeah. That's good. That's always a good thing. So let's – here's the good news though. Dodd-Frank, even those things that Aaron mentioned – you know, no balloon payment, no negative AM. You, you got to do some ability to repay. This requires some additional disclosures and stuff past your, your note and deed of trust or mortgage. But the good news for if the property is for investment purposes or commercial purposes, it's not a consumer transaction, right? 
So if I'm, if I'm lending on someone's rental or I'm lending on someone's flip, that's not a consumer transaction. It's outside yeah. of Dodd-Frank, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, and what I like to hear, I'm going to throw this out and you guys correct me if I'm wrong. Um, as we turn the corner to a new topic is I think if some of you are feeling a little overwhelmed, like, okay, this is too much. I thought I was going to no, do notes and it sounded really good. And I like the two points and 10% and I can do it in less than 12 months and even get a better annual rate in the big scheme of things. And okay, I'm not going to do consumers. I'll get away from Dodd-Frank. The first two or three times you do this, especially, you need to engage a lawyer. Don't forget that piece of the equation because you want to make sure you have good documents. The, the trustee, the promissory note, all these little things that protect you. You don't want to be downloading these off Google hoping you nail the whole, you know, hit a home run. Um, yeah. What are and I'll say a lot of title and escrow companies are providing those documents too. So if you got yeah. a good title and escrow company, you know, they've, they're doing this every day. They got a good yeah. note, a good mortgage or deed of trust that they're using in that state for these investor type deals. So they're, they're a, a good resource too. Yeah. And if you call our law firm, we're going to say that you don't, we don't want to play around with legal docs in Massachusetts on one day in Miami, Florida, the next day, we're going to say, go to that area that even that County can have specific rules. So I think using a local title company to bring your deal together after you do your yeah. due diligence and verify, would, would you agree? I mean, I, this is not a promo to have you call us lawyers. We really want you to get right. specific yeah, yeah. help. Yeah. So let's go into, I'd made the loan now. All right. Uh, my IRA loan that sent the money out, right? You're going to submit an authorization called the direction of investment to directed IRA. We're going to send the money out. You have these documents done by your title escrow or attorney or whoever's involved doing it, you know? And now how do I collect the money? Aaron? what are my options in terms of getting payments back and everything? Now Guido, Guido now Guido comes into play. Now we're cooking with gas. Now we're cooking yeah, with now, gas. Now we're talking Guido and his friend Easton. Easton Bat. Um, okay. <laughs> Did you watch like a mobster movie or what? What is this? Hey, I you know, I, I watch Netflix once in a while. You were watching I, Goodfellas last night. Yeah, I'm Goodfellas, yeah. yeah. Okay. Sopranos. Sopranos. Uh, Those probably. guys know how to collect, you know. They, they yeah. do. So okay. <laughs> so Matt and I were just talking about uh, you know, that'll parlay into debt collection but it's what's called a licensed loan servicing company. Okay. A licensed loan servicer. And there, there, there's lots of them, uh, all hard money funds. Okay. There's, there's these hard money funds and these note funds and all, I'm going to hit on that here in a minute because that, that that's an easy way to get involved investing with promissory notes with your self-directed IRA, but a licensed loan servicing company that has their debt collectors license. And you basically pay them a monthly fee, okay? And the borrower sends the money to the online portal, just like you would, you know, your bank and doing bill paying stuff. You set up an account. You require the borrower that you lent the money to that to set up their account with the loan servicer that you've hired. And you pay that loan servicer 25, 30 bucks a month, and they do the collecting and taking of the payment, and they automatically deposit that payment once received from the borrower into your IRA each month. And that is where the whole word turnkey notes or turnkey lending goes into play is you've got to insert that licensed servicer 
that helps take care of the, the money flow and transaction of it. And there's lots of good, good ones. Um, they also play a key role of, well, what happens, Mark, if the, you, you lent the money to the borrower and the borrower stops paying me three months from now? What happens then? What are your options? Who's going to help you do the work? Well, guess who? The servicer, because they're a licensed debt collector. Okay? okay. And you can think of them as a property manager. You have property managers that manage property for real estate. The loan servicer is managing your loan for the note investment you made. And what's nice about that is they send you an alert. By the way, your tenants, I'm not your tenant, your borrowers three days late this month or 10 days late. Oh, they were 15 days late. We had to charge a late fee or whatever. And you can get reports. It's clean. And I know some of you that are very, very tight with your money, <clears throat> engineers, don't try to do this yourself. Um, <laughs> we love our engineer clients, but I swear they should have gone to law school as well as become an engineer because they love to do it all themselves. Delegate it. I mean, you're talking about sometimes less than 50 bucks a month and many times to just yeah, provide the service. 10, sometimes it's less. So, yeah. You know, yeah, 20, 25, 30 bucks max for that. Uh, but that's the best practice. You could absolutely do it yourself, but the problem you run up against is now you're like actively managing that investment. Why not? And, and you're not licensed and regulated to then collect. Now you could send out a letter, right, Matt, at, to to the borrower saying, "Hey, I was I was notified by my servicer that you're late. Like, what's going on? Can I help? Like that, you know." But you can't be like showing up there or doing you know, work on the property or anything like that. Remember, you're just the lender. So you're just sending an inquiry, seeing what's going on and how I can help. But you're going to let the servicer and attorneys do the collecting or possible foreclosure. You are not yeah. because you're the yeah. IRA. Okay. So we can use a note servicer. Let me hit a couple other points here and we'll kind of wrap up on maybe everybody can share an additional thought or so. Sure. Uh, Let's talk one type of thing that some people will buy are what are called non-performing notes. So mm. sometimes people will go buy notes that are defaulted, right? And they'll go buy them from a bank or other investor that's like, oh, I don't want these anymore. And you go buy them for 20 cents on the dollar, right? There's a hundred grand owed, but you pay 20 grand and you buy that note because it's in default. Now you're going to buy it thinking there's equity in the property and I can get them to perform. So if you're going to do that, I highly recommend using an IRA LLC, these non-performing notes where you're buying these at a discount, the IRLC, you can do some basic collection work because we've talked about here. You may use a loan servicer, but you could call the borrowers. You could send them some letters, engage a servicer if you want um, to try and get them back on repayment because then when you can get them performing again, a lot of note investors will sell that note for a profit. So now I'm not just being a lender loaning money and getting interest and in points. I'm buying low notes, getting them performing and selling them at a higher value. I got some interest along the way and I bought a note for 20 grand and maybe I can sell it now for 80, you know, because it's now performing and I know there's equity in the property and such. So yeah. that's another investment to make. You may want to use an IRA LLC um, uh, if you're going to do that. Um, Aaron, what other items did you have that you wanted to hit that you think are important for note investors to know about? So here, here's what I get. Like we get this on a lot of inbound calls and to, at directed 
And we also, I get it all the time, you know, and, and, you know, I publish a, a newsletter each month uh, specific to the note space. And one of the things I'm always talking about is where to find the deals, you know, because you got to have deal flow in order to have your IRA do an investment, you know? So, and, and, and if it's your first investment starting out in notes, what's a good, you know, first step or first deal that, that, that you could do. Um, there are a lot of note funds and hard money funds that are licensed, regulated. They have, the, you know, they, they may have had their own PPM or subscription agreement um, and, and, you know, had a securities attorney do that. And you can lend into that fund, which is just a private company, and they're in lending money to fix and flippers or rehabbers, or they're lending money to buy these non-performing or paying notes that are already paying. Performing notes is what that would be called. And that's a great, easy way, you know, to get involved because here's what you'll see the flow of all the mechanics of how they operate their business before you go do it yourself. So I, I like that. There's a lot of hard money funds, yeah. note funds, crowd, crowdfunding, that is, you know, these private lending crowdfunding uh, portals and you get kind of like behind the scenes access to see how they're doing the, the paperwork and, and what's all required. And you can request that from them as well. And the way they're doing it is, you know, they're, they either secure it with, you know, your investment is secured across the portfolio of, of loans um, or notes. And so, that's what I always say. There's lots of different online exchanges yeah. too, and and that you can go and you know do research as well. Maybe we'll provide that in the footer, but I'm not going to list yeah. any of the companies because we really don't give out a ton of recommendations on that because you need to do your own due diligence. There's a lot of great loan exchanges out there that you can you know research and find deals as well. And yeah, and I'd I say just, on the private funds though, one note I'd make on that is. You know, I mean, those, they may have like a Reg D offering or something with the SEC, but the SEC is not approving it or licensing it or regulating it, right? They've just done some paperwork and paid some fees and got it up there. Um, And so, but those are common, of course, and do your due diligence even more on a fund than you do an individual loan. Make sure you know who's involved with it. Um, It's been, they've been around the block. They know what they're doing and have their expertise, of course. Yeah. And I'll add two points to that. And I do have a final comment, but- I think first is we're not financial advisors here, but we see so much deal flow and we see what successful clients do and what unsuccessful clients do. And we don't, we can't just stop you and say, don't do that. That's not our job. We are here to, we're, we want to guide you and warn you. And, but we're here as your, as a, as a, in the law firm, as a fiduciary to help point you in the right direction. But once you end up at directed IRA, It's directed by you, and that's by definition. You're telling us what to do. But I still want to say this. If you've got a couple hundred grand in your retirement account, don't put your entire 200 grand in the first note you ever do. Dip your toe in the water. Be careful. Don't invest your entire retirement savings on your first note because it sounded like a great deal. Hit a few base hits. You don't have to hit a home run first time up to the plate. Be, Be really careful. Um, the next thing is when you're doing your own deals, you're going to get a better rate of return. When you go into these funds, they can be really hard to get out of and say, I want out now. 
well, who's going to buy your interest into that fund? You got to find someone to take your place a lot of times, and that's no fun. And your rate of return, sure. you got to share that with everybody. So these fund managers are getting a piece of the action where if you do one-off loans, and I like what Matt said, you just have to do your due diligence on that person and that property. And you can get a lot more control and a better rate of return, believe it or not, rather than doing a fund. But okay, Matt, I want to suggest this too. And Aaron, both of you guys, we ought to do a few more shows, I think, because today was obviously about the real estate note story. Mm -hmm. But I think doing a bank loan, I'm sorry, equipment loans, I've seen mm -hmm. clients do yeah. boat loans. Boat rehab is a big deal on the East and West Coast and marinas. Um, you could do auto loans. You can do factoring. Factoring is a deal where you loan money on accounts receivable. Um, auto loans. Yeah. There, <laughs> there's a lot yeah. of ways to use your IRA when it comes to lending. And so we ought to do some specific shows on some of those. I think they'd be fun. Um, but my final comment is I just don't like the word promissory note. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. I think it should be called promise note because you're promising to pay me. I think this promissory came into it because people said, sorry, I can't pay. So I don't, I think it's not a pro So they're saying, I promise to pay, but I'm sorry if I can't. And I, that's, I don't like that. I think it's a much more positive word to say promise note. Just me, just okay. a small observation. Yeah, or, or to say notes. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to promise a sorry. Yeah. yeah, don't tell me yeah. sorry right out of the gate. I just want a promise note. So I'm just Mark. Mark I, will say this, I will say this on the the the, the private funds that are that are lending or investing in notes. If you're going to do that, look and see if there's a paragraph in there that states you can buy or lend to anybody in that portfolio as an option to get out of that fund. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know that. And, and I've seen a lot, you know, and I've, I've written some up myself, you know, to take on investors in years past, but we gave our investors the option where you can pick, you have first crack at the portfolio to get a loan or, you know, a note Just or walk away with a note to say, I'm yeah. going to take that note and yeah. get out. Mm. Yeah. Cause you know how much easier that is versus like, let me go get, get some liquidity and pay you off. And that's why that's what freaks people out and ties up their money. So look for that provision if you are going to go down that path and see if that's an option. Yeah. The last thing I was going to say, sorry, I think I already said my last one, but uh, I got to get this in. <laughs> the unsecured note, okay? Oh, you can loan money unsecured, all right? I don't think you should, but you can. No, yeah. um, <laughs> now so, we're back to the family note. We call those gifts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so when we see them with clients, IRAs and our direction of investment form for unsecured notes, you're signing off on something that says the only way they're going to pay you back is if they, there's no security, like it's 100% dependent on them to pay you back. So just be careful. It is an option, but I just wanted to note that um, we want to secure it with assets, whether it's real property equipment, like Mark talked about, or maybe it's a convertible note into equity in something where there's some upside. Um, those are the the more successful notes we've seen over the long haul. Yeah, and if anybody comes to you and says, "Hey, will you loan me money?" Say, hmm, "Maybe I'll do this in my IRA." A lot of people don't think that. You know, someone does yeah. come to you in your church or neighborhood or business circle or family and says, "Hey, can I borrow some money?" And you can loan to a lot of people. You can't loan to your kids or your parents or yourself, but there still are family members that could fit that. Um, you may want to set up a table in the back of the family reunion. 
and start handing out loan applications. Uh, that could work really well. But um, if you're, someone does come to you and say, I want some money, if you think IRA, that's great. But get a lien against anything you can. Say, I want to lean against your home. I want a, a lien against your auto. I want a UCC3 against your equipment in your business or whatever. If if someone says, oh, I can't believe you're going to do that. I Oh, my gosh. You know, blah, blah, blah. Say, dude, you're the one asking me for money. Why is the bank not giving you money? Because they don't trust you. So be tough. Be Blame Matt and me and Aaron. Say, I do it. But Matt and yeah, Mark my and lawyer Aaron made said, me, yeah. my lawyer made Mark me do it. Mark does that all the time. Matt made yeah. me do it. So, you know. <laughs> get, get a lien. Don't just accept a personal guarantee. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, come on, get a lean smart. of something. Yeah. You don't know how right. many times, Matt, how many times in our history of our law firm, I, I remember one in particular where a client said, I loaned someone $40,000 and I need to collect. I'm like, all right, send me over the note. It was a paragraph on a piece of paper. And I go, you gave him the money already? Yeah. Did you get a lien against anything? What's that? And it broke my heart. And so people, this is a very profitable thing to do, but you got to do it right. Just do it right. Yeah. All right, Matt, take us out, baby. Okay. Well, thanks everybody, of course, for hanging in here on the Directed IRA podcast. Hope you learned something about private lending and notes. Um, Aaron's got his Noteworthy newsletter. You can find that. Is it noteworthy.com? Where do you all your stuff for Noteworthy? Noteworthynewsletter.com. Noteworthynewsletter.com. Go check it out there. You can sign up for it. And also um, get over to Directed IRA, wherever you're listening to this, like it, subscribe, give us five stars, um, provide a comment about, um, you know, how handsome and good looking Mark Kohler is. Um, he really, you. yeah. I'm he, working he, on that. I'm, I'm really, yeah, I wanted to make sure that you got recognized for that today. <laughs> Thanks. And now, and there, when you're at Directed IRA backslash podcast, you can type in a question for our next open forum, which could be next week or the week after. But feel free to always type in a question and we respond when we answer. So that way you know which episode to go listen to. Yep. All right. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. Bye.